Let's do this. It is Friday. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. How in the world are you doing? You want some, <laughs> you want some Titans news if you caught the end of Buck Rising show? Uh, so everybody wanted all this action. Titans offense, like new quarterback, want a new OC. I want, you know, after the way things ended. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're about two weeks into rearview mirror on that now. Well, what if they added somebody? So the report uh, came out earlier. I believe it was Jeremy Fowler reported the Titans were in discussions uh, with former, now former, Texans OC Tim Kelly um, to join their offensive staff. Well, they still have an OC. They still got their people. Ooh. Oh, oh, there's where, where, where did Lucas at? Didn't I say they were going to have a hire a specialist for offense? I know you know I said that. Because she was like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. Because I was thinking about what they did defensively last year. With Schwartzy. With Schwartzy. Yeah, and Mickey responded a Jim Schwartz for the offense. Yes, yes. and that's what was your response. And I said so maybe even bang. a brother of the Undertaker is out there. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> watch this. Since everybody gets over Twitter fights you know, in the media about who said what, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to start posting some of the idiotic things that I say or, you know, I can't say that it was mine. Yeah, that was our report from the Blaine and Mickey show, along with Lucas. Yeah, man, we we got to get get the pat on the back, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Titans, for finally listening to me about something. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. If you listen to me a little bit more, you guys uh, probably uh, have a shot and get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, everything I hear about all jokes aside, everything I hear about Kelly is that he's a sharp, uh, really smart, bright uh, to guys who covered uh, the Texans. Uh, so naturally, that's uh, unfiltered Sean Salisbury, as well as uh, Aaron Wilson, who I reached out to and had conversations with uh, about him. And they all speak uh, glowingly. I mean, they, they said that he's in a role where he's not going to be, you know, calling, you know, it's not over the offense. But, you know, him having input is fantabulous. He said the Titans are getting away with uh, really uh, a good O.C., so you're getting both. So maybe he's maybe part of the passing game or just having input to – Make you know coaches think a little bit about other things that they're not focused on uh, on the offensive side. So I I really like this hire. Uh, everybody knows the relationship and with uh, Vrabel and, and Kelly and tried to else. hire him or tried to speak to him last year and he got blocked. Good point. Good point. He yeah. tried to speak to him last year. The Texans blocked it. Yeah, blocked. So do, since do you, he's a free agent, and there was no blocking. No blocking. Do yeah, you so know what cool. Tim Kelly was doing in 2011? 2011. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at you, so I'm going to say he was a realtor. <laughs> no. I'm going to say he was coaching at Arkansas State. No, but what would the other coaching at place be? Uh, Tim for Tim uh, Purdue? No. Uh, oh, uh, the other coach place that you... I'm would... looking at you. He, did, he coached at Ball State? Oh, he, chirp, chirp. Ball State. Oh, he did? What 2011 did graduate assistant, I was Ball State. Say, graduate, I was going to say he was never a, like a, a coach coach, though. My man must have like 15 degrees. He was a graduate assistant at Illinois Wesleyan, 0809, Illinois Wesleyan. He was a defensive coordinator and defensive line coach at Minnesota State Moorhead in 2010. Then he was a graduate assistant again at Ball State in 2011. Then he was a graduate assistant again at Penn State. 2012, 2013, and then he's been with the Houston Texans ever since, 2014 to 2021. So he worked under Bill O'Brien at Penn State, right? Yeah, that must be the connection. That's how he got the Texans job. Texans job. job. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. All you got to do is look at a guy's history and who he's connected to. Oh, Penn State. Oh. Yep, you know where I was there. Ah, okay. There you go. Mm. Man, so, so I, who was the head coach at Ball State in 2011? I, I don't I even know. I hoping you would know that. Hugh Freeze was the head coach at Arkansas State. <laughs> I, I would know. Uh, oh, it was Pete, Pete Limbo. Pete Limbo. Yeah. Yeah, who is now the – he was a special team coach at Memphis, and now he's a special teams coach at Florida State. Oh, he no, is? I think so. I'm, I'm not sure, though. Yeah, <laughs> you better Pete, check on that. I was going to say Pete Limbo because he looked like a chemistry teacher. Yes. We played you guys in a bowl game. Yeah, he yeah, was I there in 2011 I, I should have known that, too. But yeah, that was ding-dong. Uh yeah, because I went down and spoke to the team as he was the head coach, and that was his last season as the head coach. Then he left and went to Memphis as a special team, you know, uh, coordinator. He's and that's where he fits. He's kind of a kind of a goofy guy. I don't know if a lot of the uh, players could really relate to him as a head coach. Yeah, good dude though. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously a good coach because he continues to to coach, uh, mm-hmm. and that's a no. He, you know what? I think he's at South Carolina. I said Florida State, South Carolina. Okay. It's hitting me in my brain right now. I pulled it out of the vault. So that could be wrong, too. <laughs> We're going to find out here. I'm going to look him up for real, though. But I, I'm going to go with South Carolina. All right. You look up Pete Limbo. In the meantime, you want to – Buck Rising is going to join us in the second segment, as he always does. So we'll talk about all this with him. He's also been down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. But if you're a Titans fan, does this make you feel better? Like, does this fix things? Seriously, does this – are you like, yes, now I feel better? You got phone lines open. Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline, 615-737-1045. Thomas in Nashville will be up first, though, on this Friday edition of the program. Hello, Thomas. How are you doing? I'm uh, good. How about you guys? Doing great, man. How are you? I, I'm just con- I'm confused. I, I, I've gotten addicted to local sports radio at the worst possible time. <laughs> no, it's never a bad time for that. I mean, the worst. It's freezing cold outside. I can't go out and do activities. It's just listening to everybody complain about our beloved quarterback and 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 I, I know you like people have to fill I know Stillman has to fill airtime, let's be honest and who we're talking about here. Uh now now like Sunday night football on NBC is tweeting Rogers to Titans and their source is PFF. And PFF source is Stillman and his source is he just needed a creative way to bash Ryan Tannehill and he'd run out of sources. Um I, I don't understand like I, I get I get the, the pie in the sky dream but I don't understand why we can't just. And I'm not saying like obviously Rodgers is a better better option than Tannehill, but I don't understand why we can't just like Robinson's not making decisions on fan opinion. So like everybody tweeting out like creative ways to get Aaron Rodgers, like I I, I don't understand. We have to money launder for us to, to for us to have a legitimate a legitimate chance to pull that guy in. Like I and I I think people forget people remember this the last the last game Tannehill played in the second half of the season where he's play, playing with a bunch of JB guys. But, I mean, how many times, seriously, when you guys were watching him, how many throws did you step back and be like, man, that was an absolute dime. Mm-hmm. Like, he, can, he can do things that a lot of other quarterbacks can. People are like, we need an elite quarterback to get us to where we want to go. Rodgers has been to the Super Bowl one out of 14 seasons where he started for the, for the, for the, for the Packers. Like, it's not, it's, not so, it's not so simple like that. And I don't understand why we can't just – I know it's not the easy thing to do, but why can't we just be loyal to our quarterback right now? If we get Rodgers, great. But like, the chances of that are slim. Like, I've wanted Aaron Andrews since I was 12 years old. But me, like, tweeting rumors about me and her getting together, 
isn't getting her to Germantown. You know? and- <laughs> got you, Thomas. Oh, <laughs> that was good information to know. Maybe we should start that up there. That they're well, if that works out for you. I don't know she's if that married, would I think, now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, then that would get out there. She's she's messing around on her hubby. Oh, man. <laughs> but that would be horrible. I, I mean, I, we've been fair with Tannehill on this show. No, well, I don't think he's talking about He's yeah. just saying he's listening to Sports Talk Radio. Sure. And I, I think we've probably been level-headed with this, uh, trying to calm the – Fan base down, and uh, that's why I said, you know, a good example is Aaron Rodgers and, and Russell Wilson, even though they are better quarterbacks, let's don't get it wrong, but they're still sitting at home. So I don't know where people think there's a guarantee that now all of a sudden we're going to get to go to the Super Bowl. And I think what's happened here is the Stafford trade has really made people believe that that can happen all the time now. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they're – Sometimes you have to go through your lumps, and Tannehill can make every throw. Only thing now is to say he hasn't been clutch in the playoffs the times that they needed him. So you say, how do you get past that? Well, he has to, you know, play with some more confidence, make better decisions, but he is capable of making those decisions. You just hope that it can happen and he gets hot at the right time. Uh, So uh, I didn't like some of the play design. Uh, as I mentioned there on Titans Radio immediately after the game, yep. they lost. And I think uh, Kelly coming in and having another set of eyeballs to kind of remind you of certain things, uh, you know, that you're looking at the big picture when you're the OC and how to attack defenses instead of maybe some of the smaller detailed things that can be missed. Uh, so I, I think I would like to see that. And, uh, you know, it's, and, and he's going to have to make those throws. Hey, at the end of the day, he threw the interceptions. Regardless of scheme, system, he threw them. Uh, so how do you, you know, coach around that? Well, here's my point is he had no other option, so he could have tucked and run, mm-hmm. or he could have just, you know, threw it out of bounds. One of the two. And I think that's where Tannehill went wrong this season. He was trying to – it was almost like the Bayard year. He was trying to force things instead of just letting it happen. And, and, and when – Athletes start doing that is because they're pressing to make a play instead of just letting it just happen. So if it's not there, just throw it away. Take the dink and duck. That's, that, that was Mahomes. He couldn't do it. He was not going to take the, the, you know, this drop to the running back. And see, on that play, this is why I say horrible design. There was no safety valve is what you call it mm-hmm. in that passing route. It was all or not to Julio Jones. That was it to me. And so everybody's, oh, he's teared down the receiver. That was the only guy he's going to throw to. Who was he looking off? There was nobody on the backside running a route. He could he was he could have been looking at AJ Brown. It's just it was the same direction, right? So I you know so I I think those are the little things because what tells me that they knew what was up. The next series they ran that same route with Julio and they ran a post behind it. Mm-hmm. Tannehill just missed them, and that's the same thing Garoppolo did in the Super Bowl. If he catches that ball, that's a touchdown. Guess where the safety was? The free safety's in the hole. He bit up on the on the shorter route. Well, the, he had no vertical threat then at all. He had no choice but to jump Julio. Yeah, another play you could have come back with is double moved him, run the same right. play and double moved him, ran a dig up or mm-hmm. a stop and go, and, right. and took off because he started, he's sitting. So there's other ways, and they did it. So they that means they recognized it. Mm-hmm. Well, why did you not? You can't run combination routes like that in this league. That that doesn't work. And you know they run cover three. So I'm sure everybody knows some cover three beaters. Mm -hmm. I mean, first it starts off with four verticals against cover three. 
and you look off the safety and throw down a seam on the other side. Or you can throw to the outside, too, to see if he wins a one-on-one matchup. But it just so that's what was frustrating and irritating to me. At this level, those things can happen. No dump off, no secondary receiver, bad decision, quarterback, mm-hmm. bad route by Julio. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as he didn't even come back to the ball, he got stuck in the, I think because he saw the, <laughs> the DBs jumped him. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, crap. Right. You know, so there was a lot of things involved in that one play, the first play of the game, that wasn't all Tannehill. So, and actually, I like play action pass with all the, everybody hyped up and Henry in the backfield. Just didn't like the play design. Yeah. And so maybe this is where we get some of that and stay on top of it. And, and people must remember, everybody said, well, they have assistant coaches. Most assistant coaches are in there to do their job and coach their guys. So they're not going to go and tell the, the OC or the DC or the head coach, we need to do this. Right. That's not how it works. That's why I'm not coaching. Because I'm going to tell them, hey, man, we can't run that because of this. Well, they don't want to hear that. No, I want to win. This is about winning. This is not about who's right or who's wrong. This is it is what it is. Yeah. And so they have issues with that. Coaches, you know, it's just like, no, well, we can't run that if we're not going to run a dig with a post. They play cover three. No, I like this way. No, that's not going to work. See, they don't they don't want they they want to do it their way. So here's what coaches do. They sit there and be yes sir guys. I'm just coach my guys then. Right. Keep like my to, job. Right to keep my job. Mm-hmm. No different than the players who disagree with some things that's going on, keep quiet and just do their job. They're not gonna, you know, kill the hand that's feeding them. Right. From coaching to players, that that's what happens. That's why when we interview players, we're not gonna get the truth. I've been on that side. I never <laughs> said anything negative. That was all kind of crap behind the scenes. That I was like, I, I this is horrible. This is absolutely. I'm going to talk about fishbone. I'm about to see what's up with this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got a lot to talk about today, certainly with all this. Again, the news Titans will be adding in some capacity Tim Kelly, uh, who they tried to interview last year for the OC job when it was open. They were blocked by the Texans. He is now a free agent coach, as it were, though. So uh, reports and even confirmed by our own Buck Rising that he will be joining the Titans offensive staff in a yet unnamed capacity. The guy who confirmed that report, Buck Rising, will join us next right here on Blade and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone Buck Rising will join us here in just a minute as he does every Friday. Again, if you're just getting in the car or you've been out, you know, warming up the driveway to get the ice off of it or whatever you've been doing, um, Titans multiple reports have them adding Tim Kelly, the former Houston Texans OC, to the offensive staff before you jumped any crazy inclusions in some capacity. Nothing has been announced yet. Buck Rising joins us now and i know buck you have confirmed the report that came out earlier from uh jeremy fowler tim kelly has been added to the staff uh former texans oc Vrabel, i guess tried to interview him last year the texans blocked it that was for the oc job but now added in some unnamed capacity is that the best way to say it uh that is the best way to say it and hello boys hope you're having a lovely uh friday so far yeah, at, at this point, still trying to track down exactly what he's going to be doing for Tennessee. But this was uh, as soon as he got fired in Houston, it was he and David Culley that were the first two 
to be let go off that staff when they finally made the decision after dragging David Culley around for a full four days after the rest of the NFL had their Black Monday in ways that are inexplicable to me. Um, I got a couple of texts that said, yeah, he's probably going to end up, Tim Kelly uh, being, probably going to end up in Tennessee. So this this has been something that Mike Rabel has had in mind for quite some time. And, uh, and, you know, I think it works out to the benefit of the Tennessee Titans because what they need is creativity in the passing game. And uh, for even though the, the offensive numbers for the Texans were poor, I think that can be forgiven given their roster. Um, and, but, you know, against the Titans, they had good success. Now, some of that is due to Titans ineptitude, particularly in the game that they lost here in Nashville, 22-13 uh, to 13 during the regular season. But Tim Kelly has been thought of as one of the better offensive minds in this sport for quite some time, and, and clearly Mike Brabel holds him in high regard. I think it's interesting because, you know, we looked at the defense last year and they said, okay, it's not us, it's the players. So they went and got a bunch of new players for the defense. But they did also add Jim Schwartz as a what senior defensive advisor. And we're sitting here yesterday sort of discussing the Titans. And Blaine said, they got to find their Jim Schwartz for the offense. And then we kind of mentioned Tim Kelly or somebody like him a little bit. And then 24 hours later, here we are talking about Tim Kelly. But that is interesting, though, that Mike Vrabel would bring in an outside set of eyes last year for the defense and now obviously very willing to do that for the offense as well. Well, I mean, this is this is what I this is my thing about Vrabel. Like he's not willing to or he's not unwilling to go out and find things to make what he has better. I think you can be loyal to your coaching staff at the same time, but also be able to identify ways that they may need help. He's done that for uh, Shane Bowen now and, and is doing that for Todd Downing. And by the way, Todd Downing is not being replaced as the offensive coordinator. I think that's important to note, and I don't necessarily think my tweet made that clear. So my apologies on that. But um, I, I think that Brable's always had a good eye for talent, and he does tend to lean towards guys who he's worked with previously. Of course, this being another addition from the Houston Texans coaching staff where Tim Kelly has been for quite some time, uh, but I, you know, the willingness to adapt, I think, is something that's important, even if it's not wholesale change, which people wanted blood after that game, understandably so. Um, this is this is a step in the right direction. It's not damn Aaron Rodgers, but it's the best possible solution without having to give up draft capital and take on a higher cap hit and find another trade partner for your quarterback who is still good enough to win you football games. Our buddy Buck Rising joins us. Buck Rising Show and the Install Podcast and A to Z Sports and many more. He is brought to you by Two Rivers Ford, home of the non-commissioned salespeople, Two Rivers Ford. Well, Buck, you just mentioned it, uh, Aaron Rodgers. What do you think about these rumors, uh, you know, him buying land here and everything else that connects him to the Tennessee Titans? Thoughts on that? I don't think it connects him at all to the Tennessee right. Titans. It connects him to... You know, uh, no income tax and cheap land, if not cheap real estate here in Tennessee. And he's, you know, I mean, it's. I, I saw uh, our, uh, I, I never worked for Brad Willis, but the former zone program director, Brad Willis, point out, we, Greg, uh, George Kittle has a, the full compound in uh, Thompson Station. We don't talk about the Titans trading for George Kittle because they got to need a tight end this year. It's just, um, unless there's a legitimate reason, and this was pointed out to me by my friend uh, Adam Vingan at The Athletic. We were talking about this back and forth. Um, Vingan said, you know, unless just uh, from a journalistic standpoint, unless there is a, uh, 
unless there is a legitimate tie between Aaron Rodgers buying the land here to build a home because of the Titans and not just because this is what a lot of athletes are doing. And by the way, a lot of people who live in California are moving to Tennessee for the exact same reasons. Um, there's not a real story there. It's fun to talk about. It gets people going. And it's, you know, it's if we want to load up the phone lines for however long we do our radio shows, we can do that all day long, basically until the season starts. But um, possible, sure. Probable, no. Yeah, no doubt about it. I completely agree. But one thing I did not know about this whole situation, and I agree with everything you said there, as we've been mentioning here on the Blaine and Mickey show, is that on the Pat McAfee show there with, uh, what is it, A.J. Hawk, mm-hmm. uh, that he said, A.J. Hawk, that him, uh, Aaron Rodgers and Vrabel are good friends. And that that was one thing that came out of all of that, regardless of him coming to the team or not. There is a relationship there that I did not know of. So uh, just never say never, as you kind of mentioned, but I doubt if that's ever going to happen. Well, um, I mean, you know, they're playing a lot of these off-season golf tournaments, like the one yeah. they do that they do at Lake Tahoe every year. And Rogers is always there. Mike Vrabel is always there. So, I mean, it's un, it's not uh, out of the realm of possibility that Mike Vrabel has other friends that play for other teams or coach for other teams in the NFL. Hell, he keeps hiring them from the Texans, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, and and I understood AJ Hawk's point, and I think that what AJ Hawk and, and specifically McAfee do is is a little different than um, what. What and there's nothing wrong with it, right? Like Pat, Pat has done very, very well for himself. But like Pat, in his interviews with uh, with Aaron Rodgers, is not doing like hardcore journalistic work, pressing him on his uh, on his misinformation um, beliefs and things of that nature. In the way that if Aaron Rodgers was doing other interviews of the like, there would be more of a journalistic bent to it. They're just talking about things the way that a lot of people are talking about things because these kind of things are fun to talk about. Uh, no doubt about it, then that gets clicks and that gets people uh, fired up. So we're on with uh, Buck Rising uh, from uh, 104.5 The Zone and the Buck Rising Show. Naturally, you were down at the uh, Senior Bowl, which is uh, you know an event I played at. Naturally, I'm in the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame there, too, as well. Uh, what is your observation? Let's start with the quarterbacks and what you saw. Um, from from what I saw, and again, I'm I'm not a I'm not a football scout, but in what I watched, and then in speaking to scouts and smarter football people than I, Malik Willis did himself the best uh, the best um, service, I guess, out of all the quarterbacks there as far as consistency and just kind of building upon his performance each and every day. The quarterback out of Liberty. Um, it's going to be interesting to see whether he ends up being the top quarterback prospect because all of these guys are kind of just meh, for lack of a better term. It didn't help them that, you know, day one, it's it's a new environment, new coaches, new receivers, new everything, and trying to get your feet under you. And then on the second day, there's literal sideways rain, and I was just standing out in it watching practice, not having to throw a football or catch a pass or all the or get my footwork right or all these things and then when uh, apparently I didn't I wasn't able to go to the Thursday practice because of COVID protocols and they moved it inside um but apparently and based on the film that I was able to watch from that practice uh he had a substantially better day and was the best and most confident of all three of those players I don't know where he I don't know where he necessarily fits mm-hmm. um in an offense like maybe what the Philadelphia Eagles are doing with Jalen Hurts or something somebody who's willing to tailor their offense to a guy who's got great mobility, really glides and manipulates the pocket really, really well. And he's got great arm talent. It's just the accuracy is something that I think is very, very much up in the air with, with really all of these guys, in, in fairness. 
Mm, yeah, we're on with uh, Buck Rising from the Buck Rising Show right here on 104.5 The Zone. Um, it, it's interesting because Desmond Ritter, Buck, is a, a, a guy who may be an end of the first round or a second round type pick maybe. But uh, he was asked, you know, quarterbacks he models his game after. He said Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Well, he said Sean Watson first, and then he said Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought I thought that was interesting. And the way – I didn't necessarily understand the way that he phrased it because he said longevity, and I didn't – really understand what that meant as far as just how long Ryan Tannehill's lasted in the league. Like long, longevity didn't really add up for me, but there, I mean, there are some similarities to uh, their game. When you go and look at the way that Desmond Ritter plays again with him, though, ball placement is something that I'm uh, is a legitimate concern and is the concern of NFL staff because he's, he's pretty inconsistent as far as that's concerned, you got a hose. You can absolutely bomb it down the field, but it, it's just a matter of where it's going. He, from an accuracy standpoint, he's not Ryan Tannehill. So who was your biggest buck rising riser of the week and your biggest buck rising not rising riser of the week, which means faller? Uh, Sam Howell from North Carolina took a dive. Like, oof. Oh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, he took a dive. What happened? Like, oh, just, just terrible. I mean, just <laughs> – from from throwing ball and and I don't I don't you know I don't want to be I don't want to be hypercritical of a dude who's just trying to make it in the NFL I don't think that's maybe maybe that's unfair of me but like you know from balls in the dirt to overthrows uh, from from drill in and drill out miscommunications um, there was some frustration with the the Lions staff that he was working with on day two in particular about him just not necessarily getting with the drills the way that they needed him to get with the drills and again as I said none of the quarterbacks were terribly crisp um in in all three of the days although it did make a big difference for bailey zappy in uh, uh from western kentucky when they were indoors and out of the elements but of course we know that that's not how the nfl is going to be played all of the time um uh, as far as as far as the guy who set himself apart from everybody else and this was kind of the feeling going in but like oh my god watching jermaine johnson the edge rusher out of Florida State, there was he he didn't even practice on the third day. He's not going to play in that game. He doesn't need to do anything more. He is the, he's in a caliber unto himself. And understanding this 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 Senior Bowl group is not the most talented. There's no Baker Mayfield. There's no Aaron Donald. There's none of that. But um, Jermaine Johnson is going to be a name and a fa- a really fascinating story to watch throughout the course of this draft process. Okay, who's the tight end that you really liked? And I uh, who's the guy? I've heard you mention his name a couple times since you've been down there. Jeremy Ruckert uh, yes. from Ohio State. I don't know that he's tight end one, but yep. if he, if I mean he he could be a second round pick. Now, of course, we uh, the Titans don't have <laughs> a second round pick, so that's that's a bit problematic. But um, I, he's just he's so smooth, he's reliable. I love the way that he uncovers when he's running his routes. He for the quarterbacks who desperately needed some kind of a safety blanket, he was consistently a guy who was looked at all three of the days. Um, Trey McBride, the uh, Colorado State uh, tight end, I really enjoyed watching. Too. There's a couple of different guys. None of them are, are, are outright like discernibly this is tight end one. Yeah. But, um, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of good, solid prospects. Uh, the Iowa State tight end, I'm blanking on his name. I, I, think, it's, I think his first name is Cole, forgive me. Um, this is going to drive me crazy. Uh, but he, the Iowa State tight end that was down at the Senior Bowl, I really, really enjoyed watching him too. And I think you can find competent tight end help in the third or fourth round. 
And Lucas Panzica says Charlie Kohler. Charlie Kohler not Charlie joining Kohler. us now, but Buck Rising is. And uh, we're talking all things Titans and NFL and uh, what's going on in Mobile at the Senior Bowl this week. Well, naturally, there's always a lot of elite wide receivers. So that leads me not to say just about the elite wide receivers. I want to ask about how did the UT guys do uh, there? Did you get a chance to observe them in practice at least uh, a little bit? Yeah, no, I saw plenty of Bayless Jones Jr. Um, I thought that, you know, he's he's it's it's different, right? Because he's going to be twenty five as a rookie. Uh, like that's that's he's going to be three years younger than me when he's drafted into the NFL, where these guys are, you know, twenty and twenty one, and um, so he's going up against much younger players. So I don't know what I don't know how much higher his ceiling gets, mm. but he had a couple of really really nice plays adjusting to poorly thrown balls in the rain. He caught a great touchdown pass over Alante Taylor where he just uh, just shook him on a post route um, and then had to readjust to a terribly thrown ball by, I believe it was Bailey Zappi at the time. Uh, so Bayless Jones Jr., I think, I think he's, if he's going to make money in the league, it's going to be as a returner. Maybe, maybe he can find a roster spot as a wide receiver as well to, to provide some roster versatility. Um, but Bayless Jones Jr., I thought of the three guys, had, had the best senior bowl uh, week. What about uh, Mays? And wh- where do you think these guys, what range? They're not going to put you to, oh, they're going to go this round. But it sounds like to me you're talking about Vilas Jones is probably going to be a third-day guy because yeah. there's some factors. No, he's, outside that- the, he's outside the top 100. I don't, I don't think that he's, he's going to be any, anything uh, more than a, than a day three pick. Cade Mays is interesting, right, because I think the whole conversation around Cade Mays, or at least, I mean, he put his name on it when he told uh, – he uh, he was oh, – what, what's the uh, – Swain, uh, Jason Swain. He was on a, uh, a show with Jason Swain before he ultimately ended up declaring for the draft, and he said, you know, he had considered coming back to Tennessee, but there would have to be an NIL deal that was uh, compensatory or, or commensurate with, like, third or fourth round draft pick money. That's that's basically where people see him right now. There's there's potential that he can improve upon that, and of course, we're still uh, uh, about a month away from the NFL Combine at this point. I would say that he is probably also a day three pick. Alante Taylor, there's there's pretty mixed reviews on. I think people are pretty curious about him. He's obviously got uh, a little higher ceiling than the other two guys at this point. Even though Cade Mays was a was a five star uh, uh, prospect coming into. Uh, coming into college, I think Alante Taylor is is the one who probably has the most potential to rise based on which team is doing the evaluation. Uh, when you talk to scouts, how many of them say, "Oh, yeah, he was a five star recruit when he came out of high school"? How many? How many did any of the scouts ever say that, or, or do they say those things? Yeah, you, you know, actually, mm-hmm. it was brought up brought up a couple of times, and mm-hmm. basically, you know, kind of looking at that and saying, "Okay, did they live up to their billing mm-hmm. in college, and are they able to kind of?" Accept those expectations or live up to those kind of expectations based on where their initial talent was projected. Now, a lot of that stuff gets thrown out because obviously you're a different player in high school, physically different, mentally different from high school to college. But it, it, depending on who you talk to, um, it gets brought up every once in a while. No doubt about it because it's interesting because when you're the five-star guy, as you guys know, uh, your your athletic ability and your talents are off the charts. Doesn't mean you equal that with your skill set in whatever position you play. So I, that's always interesting to kind of see if some scouts kind of look at it in the back door, saying, "Oh, okay, what was he rated?" You know, I was always right. curious about that. But uh, naturally, we have to ask you, what are your thoughts on this NFL deal and Brian Flores and in, in this lawsuit uh, against the National Football League and these what three teams? Yeah, 
Well, and I, I mean, if you're suing three teams, you're basically suing the league. Right? <laughs> well, it's in the NFL yeah. and a three team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the, yeah. Otherwise, the NFL would not have come out with a statement saying that this was a baseless lawsuit or however it is that they uh, decided to phrase it after immediately the lawsuit went out without really doing any due diligence on it. They're just saying things because this is the only way that you can deal with giant corporate entities like this with force and affecting potential sponsorship dollars. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I hope to God it gets to discovery because there's a whole bunch of stuff that the NFL has done well to cover up, whether it's John Gruden and who was on the receiving end of all of those emails that John Gruden was the fall guy for, Daniel Snyder and all of the terrible things that he's been doing across decades with the Washington football team. If this gets to discovery, and if it gets to discovery, it'll because, unfortunately, not because of the racism allegations, but because of the money that Stephen Ross is accused of offering Brian Flores while being an NFL owner and also being invested in a gambling company. Like, that is that is grounds to take a team from an NFL owner. I don't know if that'll happen, but again, I hope it gets, gets to discovery. I hope Bill Belichick gets deposed. I hope it all burns, because this is something that is long overdue, and the NFL is, you know, nothing if not transparent. Buck Rising, our guest, and the main thing is they'll keep playing games and everybody's going to watch. Uh, that will never change. All right, on the way out, Doug Peterson. Yeah, but Mickey, quickly, before I get, before you move on from that point, listen, uh, not only did Brian Flores do this on the first day of Black History Month, he did this in the week leading up to the Super Bowl. So yeah. when Roger Goodell has to get up and do this annual yeah. press conference yeah. in front of God knows how many media members, everybody, 90% of the questions are going to be about this, and that is not going to make the league happy. It's not. We're all going to watch, and we're all going to be interested in Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford and blah, 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 blah. But all of the coverage around this is going to be, what the hell does the NFL have to say for itself? Yeah, Flores and his crew knew exactly what they were doing Real to plant quick, that. Though, do you think you'll ever have an NFL job as a head coach? As a head coach. He's only 40. I, as a head coach, I don't think so, man. You can't, you can't call <laughs> John El- – I, I, it sucks, but you can't call John Elway publicly drunk and – and accuse, you know, the, the Giants of conducting sham interviews and, and really outing Bill Belichick. Like, I, I watched both that ESPN interview that he did and the, uh, and the CBS This Morning interview, and basically he had said, yeah, he hasn't talked to Bill Belichick since he let Bill Belichick's text messages get out there. I, I mean, Blaine, you know this better than I do. This is, this is a very, very tight-knit circle, and people protect – them each other in this profession i don't know I, brian flores is acting like a guy who just doesn't give a damn like he's he seems comfortable with the idea that he may not work in this profession again not even as a head coach but just generally mm, man so he not even an assistant huh wow there's always college yeah <laughs> big paydays over there too uh all well, right. take everybody apparently good god well there you go uh all right on the way out we're, we're really low on time is doug peterson the guy i think this was your poll question earlier is doug peterson the guy that can save the jags is trent bulky still the general manager hell no as long as <laughs> as long as there is rampant dysfunction and an owner who just doesn't seem to have any real knowledge of what it is that he's doing or just like a, a way to the franchise. Oh, my. Yep. Bye, Buck. Thanks. The, Appreciate demonic, you. We got, Buck. De- we got Demon Buck. Demonic yeah, Buck. Right, save, save that drop. Uh, all right. He's off in the universe somewhere. It still wasn't as bad as Demon Alex Doherty. <laughs> what? I missed that. 
No, you remember Alex? We had Alex, Alex Doherty was, was on talking, talking, talking Preds with us, year. and his fo- his phone did the I don't know what's going to happen. I, 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 I'm not <laughs> that was last year. <laughs> yeah, well, we can look for that. In the program. I'm not that saved. It was terrifying. It was nightmare fuel. In my so. data bank. Hide your children. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Tim Kelly has been added. Will be added to the Titans' offensive staff in some capacity. Does this does this fix things for you? I know we got Jerry on the line in the borough. How does this make you feel? Mark Spangler is a hotline wide open for a while now. 615-737-1045. Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Let's take a couple of these phone calls on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. Jerry in the borough uh, has been holding and will be up first. Jerry, how you doing? Happy Friday. Hey, I'm, I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Um, Appreciate you. I've been a Titans fan, ESL holder from the, from day one. And uh, it does kind of get older here to talk about the quarterbacks and we're always trying to run somebody out of town. I don't think we're really directing you know, with anger or upset at the right person. You know, I watched a lot of Titans games. Uh, a lot of it goes on that OC. Uh, I think the, the turning in that game was the play where we had third inches, and why we didn't call a measurement, I don't know. We didn't want it. So third inches that we go in the shotgun and run a quarterback sneak. Kenny Hill's been running quarterback sneak right behind the center all year long and getting yards and yards to yards and he's been very effective with that. And then we turn around after that and hand the ball off to Derrick Henry when we we had we got a one yard loss on that fire play. Mm-hmm. And he gets stuffed in there. When we had a running back sitting on the sideline, I mean I love Derrick Henry. You know, obviously he just came back in from his injuries and such, but the other guy wanted him. When he hit the hole, he hit the hole. That's the person who needed to be running that ball if we were going to run the ball for that play. Uh, you know, with Keith Henry, I get all that, but he's coming back from an injury. We had a true commodity back there that's been playing hard out. That guy was giving his all. Every time he hit the hole, he was flying through there. Mm-hmm. I, think he, I think he dropped. Oh, we lost him. He just sort of faded away. Yeah, well, I mean, everybody involved is really, I mean, from coaching to players. And, and look, um, you know, I've been kind of a supporter of, you know, Tannehill coming back. But ultimately, he's on the field. He has to make the plays. He has to throw the ball. So we could talk about all the coaching you want to, but ultimately, the players are out there, the ones have to execute. Now, is your creativity and being predictable uh, and things of those nature, that's on the coaching side. And, and I think that's what happened in this game uh, against the Bengals. So, I'm, you know, I'm not going to go through all the things. That, I mean, I know you make it in like them going forward on. I mean, you can go down the list of the extra point going forward. You know, we couldn't get one yard. I mean, man, we couldn't get another yard another time. Uh, you know, so there was, so you can blame execution. You can blame play calling. At the end of the day, we lost. And it's going to go on the head coach and the quarterback. That's how it's always going to be. And that's how it's always been, regardless of performance or not. That's just the way the business works. So I'm still a supporter of Tannehill. I think we should give him one more year and see see what he can do. After that, then the cap uh, softens up and the head and everything else, all bets are off then. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at. And then there's no guarantee, everyone, that you go get Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, anybody who you think you want, 
that that's going to guarantee you going to the Super Bowl. It's just, it's just I mean, man, if, if it was so guaranteed, those Aaron Rodgers would have went to more than one Super Bowl. Sorry, Russell Wilson went. He went to two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They'd handed it to Beast one, Mode. One. He'd have two rings. Yeah, he's got one. So these are the elite of the elite, and they're not guaranteed anything. And they've been in the playoffs, as we've seen Aaron Rodgers lose the last two years. Uh, so it's tough. The football guys got to be on your side too. I mean, that there, there's some uh, luck involved. So people can say it or not, but you, you can create your own luck. But at the same time, the ball has to bounce your way. Uh, so I, I just believe that. And uh, if it was that easy, uh, you know. And by the way, there's no guarantee you're going to get an elite quarterback, uh, even in the draft, even with a trade. So you start looking at it and go, who is better than Tannehill in this offense? Because rest assured, they're going to want money, and they're going to be like, I'm running my own offense. That's been the whole issue with Russell Wilson the whole time in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this last two years, uh, I don't like what we're doing. You, you're hiring your son. He, you know, Basically, he's saying you don't know what he's doing. So, hey, just be, uh, I guess, uh, thankful where we're at right now and pray that he gets over the hump. Because this is, to me, next year is the last year of this run, of this group. That That's kind of how I see it. And I'm talking about the King, too. Now everybody's contract, as you said, softens. Mm-hmm. The blow softens after next year. Stick with your plan, and uh, maybe you were a year sooner than you thought. But sometimes that next year, you come back better, more inspired, more driven, uh, and you learn some things through some of the, the scars of losing uh, two different times in the playoffs. Uh, so, the only one team's going to be happy at the end of the season. All right, we're going to call our shot in hour number two of the program. We'll also have plenty of time to take phone calls. So, Steve and Franklin is on. Steve, hold on. We'll get to you if you want to call in and talk about the addition of Tim Kelly. Uh, you want to talk about any Titan stuff that we've covered this week. Uh, there's just a lot going on in the sports world that has happened. Certainly a lot of the NFL world. Somebody you saw at the, uh, at, 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 in, in Mobile this week, a draft riser fall, whatever it is, the second hour of this Friday show belongs to us and it belongs to you. But we'll be right back.